I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Marcus. Yes. You ever watch the Cramps live? Like, I know we haven't seen them, like, you know, live at a show, but like YouTube videos and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We've been watching a lot lately. Of course. I've been watching it a lot. And I've been thinking like, wow, like Lux Interior, when he's like there, he's there, he's on the stage, he's commanding the stage. He's like in this tight vinyl, all black, super sexy leather suit with like super high heels. And he's just like worming his way around and dancing. Do you ever think like... I can also do that. <laughs> do you ever think like I of can course. do that? Of course I do. It's the exact same thing I thought when I watched Iggy Pop perform. It's like, yeah, Mappa could do that. I can. <laughs> I can wear high heels. Yes, you can. Of course you can. And and vinyl outfit. I can do it all. You know what? So Let's could I. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I think we've got our Halloween costumes all picked out. Vinyl twins. <laughs> Welcome to No Dogs in Space, everybody. My name's Marcus Parks. I'm Carolina Hidalgo. And we are here for the conclusion to our series on the cramps. So when last we left the cramps, switching it up a little bit, (laughs) they just recorded and released their more garage rock influenced second album, Psychedelic Jungle, which sold twice the number of their debut, Songs the Lord Taught Us. Particularly, the star of the cramps was rising fastest with the Brits, who were merely continuing the love affair with Rockabilly that went all the way back to the Beatles buying Buddy Holly records off Sailors in the ports of Liverpool. That's how uh, Rockabilly and the Blues, that's how that all came to the UK. And STDs. <laughs> Crabs, the clap. But that's cool. I mean, that's how we that's how we pass information. Yeah, I mean, that's America. I mean, I, we talked about it in the last uh, last podcast episode. That is America's colonization is cultural. Our colonization has always been cultural. That's how we rule the fucking world. Would you agree? Yes, I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. You're a recipient of this. How? Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do speak like this. <laughs> So, the Cramps returned to the UK for a 13-date tour with a band who is quite possibly the most defensive Wikipedia page I've ever seen, (laughs) at least when it comes to claiming to be the originators of a genre, particularly psychobilly. Even though 
This band came onto the scene years after the cramps, and even though Johnny Cash coined the term psychobilly, this band, or at least the fans that edit their Wikipedia page, they even have an acronym. They're so fucking defensive. OTMAP, or only the meteors, are pure psychobilly. Well, it's a genre. Maybe maybe that's the, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> of course it's what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're going to go into our Wikipedia and just change everything around for fun and just, just we'll call everything Psycho, psycho Willy. <laughs> <laughs> just to mess with them some more. I mean, the band is great. <laughs> they are. They're a lot of fun. Here's the meteors. like that there's about 30 more albums of that <laughs> they're very prolific they're, they're great yeah they are great it, it's i would say that um the the meteors are like a, a combination of the cramps and the misfits like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. they're they're kind of the, they're kind of that middle ground there. They're very they sing a lot about. I mean, that song was Attack of the Zorchmen. Like they yeah. sing a lot about horror stuff, a lot about sci-fi stuff, but it's more on the side of like the misfits, the campier uh, type of shit. Yeah, like spitting out chicken blood on stage and yeah. then going mental. It's <laughs> <laughs> fun. So yeah, they went on a thirteen-date tour with the Cramps. And and also shaking pyramids. Yeah, uh, I I don't know them. I don't know shaking pyramids either. We but can't know every band. We can't know every band. <laughs> but yeah, they went on tour in Europe. Lux would uh, like he would jump off the speaker stacks and swing his microphone. Like I mean, not the microphone, the microphone cord. Yeah, like a long lasso, so hard and so fast, it looked dangerous enough to decapitate someone. It, I mean, if you would hit someone in the head, it, I mean, it hurt. It, it would hurt. Yeah. It would just ow. Why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> So, and he would also like, he would take the microphone cord too, and he would also tie Kid Congo's legs together with the cord and drag him around on stage while Kid Congo played Surfing Bird without missing a beat <laughs> or a riff. God, they were cord. Yeah. <laughs> Fingering. <laughs> the shows were like pure energy, you know, wild abandoned. Not, and not just because of the cramps either, it's also the fans. Yeah. The fans were very, very rabid. Especially in Europe, like like the Ramones, kind of. And like when they went to France, there would be these riots in, uh, in the audience and outside the venue because they would play these like 2,000 seat venues, but they would sell out so quickly that hundreds of people outside would still try to get in. So these fans, they would break through the windows and climb through and sometimes take over the stage. My God. I know, the French invading something. <laughs> That's so hacky. I, I no, apologize. No, they, I were, no they, they, they invaded things for a long time beforehand. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> at one show in France, uh, the audience actually applauded for 45 minutes after the lights went up. 
they didn't want to leave. Like some, uh, I think I told you this last week. Uh, they would grab Lux and be like, "You must play an encore." Yeah, like right now, and and they'd be like, "I guess we have to." There's thousands of them. <laughs> <laughs> are highly threatening. The French do not get enough credit for being scary. Yeah. <laughs> And they the, were the most feared people in Europe for hundreds of years. <laughs> and the girls, they loved Lux. Like, they loved him. They would throw their panties at him, which he would sometimes, like, put on his head and just <laughs> rinse around wearing it as a hat. It was so cool. And he would, But Lux would also get down to his underwear, too. I mean, yeah. it was all fair game, you know? Like, he would do, like, this sexual writhing, like, Iggy Pop thing, but darker, if that's even possible it's absolutely possible yeah no it's like lux was tapping is it because iggy pop was like he was pure sex that was iggy pop's thing was like pure pure sex pure raw animal passion but lux interior it's like frankenstein passion yeah it's it's something deeper it's something much much darker it's still sexy and it's still it's still there like she's still he's still trying to make poison ivy horny the entire time <laughs> but that's the thing is that he's just trying to make poison ivy horny and what makes poison ivy horny is frankenstein yeah but the thing is the french girls would like pull Lux into the crowd so nick knox from behind a drum set would have to jump out into the stage like they would actually have to try to retrieve him back <laughs> and then ivy she was good at this because she all she had to do was kind of like point at someone if they were being a little too disruptive in the in the class in, in the show and then they would just like the rest of the band not even security the rest of the band would go and get them yeah <laughs> so well, they were a gang i mean as well see like Ivy called the shots. Yes. At all times. Yes. Yeah. And you did not cross Ivy. But that's the other thing. It's like, it's not that you didn't cross Ivy because Ivy was such a tyrant or anything like that. She just called the fucking shots because yeah. every band needs a shot caller and Ivy was the cramp shot caller. So while the cramps were touring the UK, IRS was seemingly doing their job, releasing a single for Goo Goo Muck that featured a B-side cover of Hassel Atkins' She Said, which Lux sang by stuffing an entire styrofoam cup into his mouth to imitate the Hayes' delivery. Why I say well? I went out last night and got messed up. Well, I woke up this morning and she seen what I had in the bed with me. He jumped up out of me out of bed, pulled the hair down the eye. He looked at me like a guy trying to let me buy who did. It says, it says, so this time we got way over here. Got all low. This was going just right. She jumped up out of the car. She put her hair down the line. She looked at me like a dinosaur, but I jumped out of that seat. She said, she said, she said, remember my last trip to the dentist <laughs> as well, Lux. <laughs> that song just makes me happy. Yeah. Like, especially the Cramps version. It's just, <laughs> it's so, uh, it, it's just abandoned. I mean, that's the great thing about the Cramps. The Cramps, they just do abandon like nobody's business. And really, life seemed to be going great for the Cramps. At this point, 
The album was selling well. The shows were fucking out of control. And the fan base was growing every fucking day. But things seemed to start a slow descent downhill the night Kid Congo set himself on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, rock stars accidentally setting their hair on fire is actually quite common. It is. I can't believe that there's not a scene of it in Spinal Tap. It's very common. You know, costumes, very flammable costumes, yeah. hairspray, yeah. fire stunts, like Kiss. Like, Gene Simmons' hair caught fire one time. Gene Simmons' hair has caught fire a bunch of times. I've seen, I, there's like a compilation of clips on YouTube of Gene Simmons catching his fucking hair on fire. James uh, Hetfield almost died. Oh, that's right. <laughs> catching himself on fire. Not to mention the alcohol in their system. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this was the, um, in LA at the Roxy show on uh, July 25th. Uh, they, they just, you know, part of their set dressings that they would have candles, like lit candles on stage on their amps. So when they would go play the song Sunglasses After Dark, which I like a lot. Yeah, it's a great Link Ray song. Yeah, it's a great cover. Yeah, and when they play that song, they would go and put on their sunglasses, like kind of like part of the show. Kid Congo Went to get his sunglasses. He leaned forward near like the amp, and his hair just went up in flames. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> the, the audience was screaming. They were just like, "Holy fuck!" They knew that that was not part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's just like, "Well, you know, when you're on a lot of drugs, sometimes you can't even tell." Like the beginning of Wayne's World too. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that in and of itself wasn't that big of a deal, as we said. Like. Guys got set on fire all the time back then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just occupational hazard. Hairspray. They all had so much fucking hairspray. and Because that, that was the thing about Kit Congo setting himself on fire. He didn't get hurt because the fire just burned all the hairspray off of his hair. Like, <laughs> he, he came out of it fine. But not too long after that, things came to a head with IRS records. And the cramps became embroiled in a lawsuit with the record label, that prevented any new cramps material from reaching the public for two years, at least officially. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the cramps, they didn't get the $10,000 advance that IRS promised them, like, back in 1979. So they're like, we're not seeing this money. And, you know, when we went to go record Psychedelic Jungle, like, you gave us half the budget. Like, they were just slashing all these budgets for everybody. And so... They figured, like, okay, we're getting cheated a little bit. That's that's how they felt. Like, they weren't... And, well, they were. Yeah. <laughs> they totally yes. were. And they were also, on top of that, they felt like they were, like, getting the wrong royalty statements. Yeah. You know, like, these royalty statements being, like, this is how much sells and this is how much you get and stuff. And it just didn't see, like, legit to them. So they sued Miles Copeland and IRS for one million dollars. <laughs> I mean, they wanted to get a hold of the real statements. And then after yeah. after a while, they're like, okay, you know what? We just want to get out of this record deal. Like, yeah. just get us out of this contract. Just please give us, like, the, the master recordings or something. Like, they, you know, like, they, they knew that it was, it, it, at this point, they're like, we, we need to fight the big bear. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> fight the big bear? Yeah, they had to fight the big bear. <laughs> Is that it fight the big is that something that like got lost in translation from Spanish? No so. <laughs> no. Well they still fought the big bear. <laughs> they fought the big bear, okay. <laughs> they fought the big bear. Great. 
<laughs> also, at that same time, like I think the Go Go's were about to start their lawsuit against Miles Copeland too. So this yeah. is not looking good. No, IRS. Like as far as like nobody was happy with IRS. I don't know. Maybe the specials were. But I know REM maybe, yeah, but yeah. this is later. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, like the Go Go's and the Cramps, like the IRS did not have their shit together. And if that wasn't bad enough, the Cramps were losing even more revenue because their fans had an insatiable appetite for bootlegs called from both live shows and sound checks. See, Cramps fans always wanted more. So after recording a show, bootleggers would rename songs. Like, for example, they would... This one guy... Okay, now, th this is one particularly bad one. It was a bootleg called Nazi Billy Werewolfen. And for some reason, the bootlegger had this weird Nazi fixation. So he renamed the songs, like, The Way I Walk to The Gas I Like and I Was a Teenage Werewolf to I Was a Nazi Werewolf. And all of this implies new songs. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, I Was a Nazi Werewolf doesn't have much imagination, no. And this irked the cramps because they'd never once mentioned Nazis at any time in their career. I mean, we've talked about plenty of punk bands who, like, had an unfortunate, like, Nazi fixation. The Stooges, the Ramones. Uh, but... As a joke. The yeah, as a, it's jo a yeah, joke. It's guys. <laughs> a joke, guys. It's a joke. We're but, Jewish, too. Yeah, I know. That's the Ramones. That's the Ramones. But the Cramps never mentioned that at any point in their career. They did not mention Nazis. They had nothing to do with Nazis. <laughs> Was it like Nietzsche's sister making these bootlegs? <laughs> like, finally, everyone will know about the will to power. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I used to get fall prey to this all the time. This is a common bootlegger thing. Like, when I was a kid and I'd buy bootlegs on, like, vinyl and CD, like, you'd see all these new song titles. And you're like, oh, my God, I've never heard this. There's a brand new Guns N' Roses track. I can't believe this is it. It's called October Sunshine? Like... <laughs> 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 no, it's just another fucking version of November Rain. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's a common tactic among bootleggers, you know, and that irked the fucking cramps, you know, they're losing all this money and the fans are getting scammed too. And then after dealing with all that bullshit, drummer Nick Knox lost a fucking eyeball. Yeah, it was his heroin addiction. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that really, I, I, I've never heard of this before, but apparently... It is real when you're we're going through health problems. I, I don't know exactly how it happened, but he got a really rare infection in his eye. And so he lost the eye after surgery. So was he shooting heroin into his eyeball? That's I mean, what that... I wanted to know. <laughs> I would imagine. That's the only, because shooting heroin into the eyeball, like, it's not super common, but people do it. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people do it. And so he got an infection. Uh, yeah, he he went through surgery. They're like, hey, you only have one eye now. And then, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a doctor, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Ivy and Lux, they were just like scared from doing hard drugs ever again from then on. They're like, all right, no more crazy stuff. We're not going to mess around with this with this stuff. I mean, he, he doesn't have an eye. <laughs> yeah, we've got a one-eyed drummer now. You know? <laughs> but you don't need you don't even need two eyes to be a drummer really. Nah. As long as everything's set in, you know, the right position. Uh but yeah, I mean that's the that's the other thing about the cramps is the cramps, it's not like they were drug free. They weren't. They no. were actually fucking insane with drugs. Yeah. I mean, we talked about them smoking opium. Ivy tried heroin a little bit. like, And uh, obviously their L LSD and all that stuff in the 70s. So I, I think they wanted to take it back a notch. 
much. They did. I mean, that they, they actually they saw the warning sign. You know, the warning sign being their drummer losing <laughs> a fucking eye. I see it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I. <laughs> the omen. Yeah. And that they, yeah, they they pumped the brakes. And honestly, their music was a lot better for it. Now, once Nick recovered from losing an eye. The Cramps, quite possibly concluding that the reason why there were so many bootlegs was because they were a fucking fantastic live band, they decided to record their next album at New York City's Peppermint Lounge. Gotta love this song. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Peppermint Lounge, The Cramps. Me too. I love Smell of Female. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's such a fantastic fucking album. It's my favorite one. Yeah. My favorite Cramps album. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's my second favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So at that time, the Cramps were like, well, we can't record anything in the studio, but no one said about recording anything live. Yep. So that's what they did. They recorded at the Peppermint Lounge, which is like just, just, you know, it's steeped in history. Yeah. The Peppermint Lounge has a long, long history in New York City. It's yeah. a famous New York City venue. Yeah. It's not there anymore, Yeah, it was a New York City, famous New York City venue. <laughs> <laughs> so they recorded like late February 1983. And this is actually one of the last gigs that Kid Congo Powers played on because he had already become like a little bit detached from the band. He was erratic. Uh, yeah. Well, he had, he was... <laughs> Doing a lot of heroin yeah. as well. That was going around. And hanging out, also hanging out with his old friend Jeffrey Lee Pierce from the Gun Club. Mm-hmm. And parts of his guitar on uh, on the live show were like kind of sloppy. And really? Ivy took notice and she's like, I got to redub some of these. Yeah, she re- redubbed a large chunk of, ca- like most of, um, the small female, and I actually didn't know this before uh, Carolina told me, I didn't know that that's Poison Ivy playing both guitars. Yeah. Most, like throughout most of the album. I had to do everything myself. <laughs> He was just too unreliable. Yeah. You know, and uh, they decided it just was a good idea for him to leave. Like, they, it kind of was both mutually, you know, they agreed upon, I guess. And, uh, you know, he wanted to go record his own stuff and play his own shows. Since he wasn't, like, in this legal lawsuit, you know, wrangle, like, he didn't sign with them. So he went with Jeffrey Lee Pierce, you know, in Australia, and, and uh, Patricia Morrison. She was uh, she just joined the gun club for that time. Patricia Morrison, Jim Morrison's wife? No, uh, <laughs> Dave Banian's wife. Oh, yeah. That's Pamela. That's Pamela Morrison. That's right. You know what? I think I made that exact same mistake uh, 
in our damned series. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's they... P. Morrison. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, she was playing. Well, I mean, she, she. I mean, she was in the bags. I mean, she's not just the wife. Yes, All of right. course. No. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and so he went and just joined them too. And uh, yeah. Was that Fur Bible? Fur Bible. Yeah. 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 I don't remember. He was in a band called Fur Bible, which is. We're both one of the best and worst band That's names true. I've ever heard. He yeah. did that with Patricia Morrison afterwards. Okay. After they, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember. But even though the Cramps had recorded an album featuring quite a few new tracks, the lawsuit as we, with IRS, as we said, meant that they couldn't release it. Then IRS figured, fuck it. Our relationship with this band is pretty much over, so let's make as much money off them as we can while we can. They released two more singles collections called Off the Bone and Bad Music for Bad People. Bad Music for Bad People, that's a fucking great title for a Cramps record. Mm -hmm. But both of those compilations, they're obvious cash grabs with almost identical track listings. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a shame. It's really a shame that they that they just like put them together without Lux and Ivy's permission, you know, or at least without their blessing. And it just went against their original contract. <laughs> it really did. I mean, <laughs> but you know, I... I'm also somewhat glad that they released those because, you know, those compilations, like, that's where Human Fly is. You know, like, that's where, you know, I Can't Hardly Stand It is. There, there's a lot of gr fucking great yeah. Cramps tracks it, on those singles compilations. It's basically a reissue. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, no, that's two reissues in two years. Yeah, but, oh, God, Ivy was so pissed off because especially, like, they, they wrote this song, New Kind of Kick, and then the next day they went to go record it at AMM Studios. Mm -hmm. So they did it on their dime in their studios as a demo. That was it. They were like working on the song. They didn't finish it yet. And you know what? They just put that in Bad Music for Bad People. Ugh. Yeah, that's what the label did. Yeah, yeah, and that's a pretty... I mean, that that's one of the forgettable songs. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Because it's a fucking demo. I didn't know it was a demo. <laughs> Fuck. Let them do what they want to do. <laughs> no, it's quite possible that the Cramps felt attacked from all sides. And perhaps in a desire to wrestle back their own destiny, the band put a kibosh on their long-running UK fan club, The Legion of the Cramped. Yeah, they were going strong for like three years. Uh, but, you know, Ivy and Lux, just, just they just felt uncomfortable with it after a while because, like, with the newsletters and, like, news updates coming from Legion of the Cramp, you know, all that stuff, they're like, this is not coming from the band. Yeah, they didn't like having a third person, a, a third voice speaking for them. And I get that. I totally fucking get that. Yeah, and also they felt like... We can't ourselves define who the cramps are. Like, yeah. how can someone else, especially someone we don't even know? Yeah. So they just sent a letter, said, can you please stop? And Lindsay Hutton was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Probably framed the fucking letter. <laughs> he was he was not very happy about it. He's no. like, I haven't spoken to them since 83. Oh. Yeah. Well, and that's that. And Morrissey had already left by that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because remember, this guy started this with Morrissey, and this was like a year before the Smiths' first album came out. So Morrissey had already that he would had long stopped being the bothersome youth writing letters to Melody Maker, and was on his way to becoming one of the best singers of the '80s. So one of the biggest assholes, but hey, one of the best. That's Morrissey. What are you gonna do? <laughs> well, after two years. The Cramps settled the lawsuit with IRS, although we don't know the details of the settlement because that settlement included a stipulation that, you know, matters of money must remain vague. I think they got what they wanted. I think so. I think so, too. I mean, IRS was dealing with the Go-Go's lawsuit, and the Go-Go's were huge. This yeah. is bad PR that everyone's not happy <laughs> with their <laughs> label, you know? And you have a room full of lawyers. They're, they're the big bear. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know? I, I, I mean, it's like the, the little guy fighting the big bear. Yeah, the big bear, yeah. And, and they and they fought the big bear, and they, they won. They beat the big bear. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how how would, how would you fight Lux, who, like, looks like he crawled out of hell? <laughs> and Poison Ivy, a former dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not fun people to go after. No. No, 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 no. They're terrifying. <laughs> but since the entire experience had turned off the band when it came to dealing with the music industry, the Cramps decided to put Poison Ivy in charge of everything. And what came as a result was a string of albums that were quite possibly the most solid of the Cramps' career. See, if you'll remember, the Cramps had already recorded a new album eight months before that lawsuit with IRS was settled, which, you know was actually a stroke of genius because as you said the cramps both got to record an album and make money at the same time the result was carolina's favorite cramps album and my second favorite cramps album smell of female a mixture of previously recorded material new songs and more covers smell of female is when the cramps left behind the admittedly dour tone that sometimes pervaded their first two albums to become a beacon of dirty ass fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the cramps that's what it, the, from then on it's the cramps just it's dirty ass fun folk let's fucking get into it wearing their influences directly on their sleeves but in a different way the cramps seem to signal this change in direction by including an absolutely charming version of the theme to Russ Meyer's sexploitation masterpiece Faster Pussycat Kill Kill yes. the rest of the song <laughs> i love this song it's a great fucking song it's it's one of their best covers yes oh i love this because you know me i, I love russ meyer yeah you're a I've, huge russ meyer i've fan. seen every single movie he's ever made yeah and this is one of my favorite ones this is one of like because you know he did like the nudies and the ruffies and the sexploitation and then the beyond that valley of the dolls <laughs> <laughs> with roger ebert <laughs> But one of my favorite reviews I found of, of this movie, someone wrote, this is a sick picture for sick people. <laughs> Hell yeah. And it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't like, this is a sick picture for sick people. It was like, this is a sick picture for sick people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not knowing that that would make people want to watch it more. Exactly. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, John Wanders was so influenced by this movie. I mean, he, when oh, yeah. he first saw it as a kid, he immediately 
became a film critic just so he can write about this. That's great. It was so cool. Divine, total influence as well. Of course. Yeah. yeah without without Russ Meyer and Faster Pussycat, we wouldn't have John Waters. We wouldn't have Pink Since Flamingos, it, Desperate li- Living, all that. Well, Pink Flamingos. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I know it disturbs you. It disturbs me. (laughs) You only have to watch it once. (laughs) Uh, But the original song was actually uh, written and performed by the Boss Wheats. Yeah. Or the Boss Teats. The Boss Wheats. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... The one, the only thing I know about this band the, from the original is that Russ Meyer said in an interview, he's like, you know how sometimes a group will sit in a bar and they'll never go any further. Mm-hmm. That was them. <laughs> so they had a good song. They had a great song. No, that song's a fucking classic. But even outside of the covers, which also included a rockabilly-tinged version of the Count Five's Garage classic, Psychotic Reaction, which I actually like the Cramps version of Psychotic Reaction better than the Count Five version. The Cramps also included new songs like Lux's surprisingly sweet ode to Cunnilingus called You Got Good Taste. Changing it, Smell of Females, my favorite Cramps album. Yay! <laughs> After listening to those songs, thinking about it, looking at the track listing, you're like, no, Smell of Females, it's the one I've listened. It may not be the one I've listened to the most to date, but now, at this moment, it is my favorite Cramps album. So after the- we got there together. Yeah, we got there I'm together, excited. darling. It's, it's been me. a wonderful journey with you. <laughs> I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka golden ticket is all mine. So after the release of Smell a Female, the Cramps continued to tour. And at one show at L.A.'s Palladium, the Cramps were host to yet another riot 
which this time ended up catching the attention of the local news. Yeah, they were on the news. <laughs> <laughs> it was a news segment. It was all about, like, punks are attacking the cops at the show. And they show footage of punks, like, throwing rocks at the cops mm-hmm. and everything. They're like, oh, it, it's so it's so violent. It's so bad that they're, they're evil. And Lux is like, actually, it was the other way around. <laughs> yeah. It's the cops actually threatening the punks and pushing them around. Yeah. You know, one witness said uh, the cops used fire hoses on the crowd and told them to disperse, but they would just use the fire hose on them. But, like, the crowd, they were so tightly packed, they're like, we can't move. Where the fuck you want us to go? So they got wet. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, getting hit with a fire hose hurts. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> wet, wet is the number Yeah, getting problem. wet. No, 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 wet's the second problem. <laughs> the first problem is that it fucking hurts a lot. Yeah, so, like, the news report read something like, riot at the punk show. Punks destroy private and public property. Punks ruin everything. And the reason this crazy, violent, and demonic band the crabs <laughs> they didn't even get their name right they called them the crabs or was it the crabs <laughs> it's like for god's sakes the name is probably on the marquee the man the name is absolutely on the marquee behind him <laughs> yeah, the cramp the crabs <laughs> <laughs> now, even though the cramps were feeling somewhat skittish about the record industry they still went back into the studio to record a song for the punk rock horror movie because let's be honest repo man is science fiction Love Repo Man. Love it. Love Repo Man. Fucking love funny. that movie. It's very funny. And it came out the year before this one. We're talking Return of the Living Dead. Ooh. Ah, oh, my, my favorite, favorite brain cream. <laughs> we gotta watch that. We do. We, yeah. I know it's been a while since, since you've seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'd love to watch it tonight. I fucking love that. It's been too long since I've seen it as well. I fucking love that movie. All right, let's do it. All right, so yes, Enigma Records, uh, who actually released their Smell of Female album in the U.S., they asked them to record a song for this movie. And they're like, okay, we, we need a song, like a whole new song. Can you record it and send it to us in three days? <laughs> <laughs> Which they did. Yeah. They, they they didn't have a lot of time. They had a deadline. They got to get it done. And they're like, okay, cool. Here's a song. Great. Awesome. Uh, Ivy played bass on it for the first time, and she really likes it, too. That's really cool. <laughs> When's the movie coming out? <gasps> In a year. <laughs> I fucked you ever for three days. <laughs> but they could do it. Yeah. They could do it. They could do it, yeah. Surfing Dead. It's a it's cramps, it's cramps classic. After that, the Cramps enjoyed a little bit of downtime, 
with Poison Ivy immersing herself in even more sexploitation cinema, while Lux took the opportunity to begin a correspondence with serial killer John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> sure enough, they they became buds. They became friends. Yeah. With Lux saying that he didn't care if Gacy killed 33 people because Lux liked people who didn't kill 33 people and there are people who didn't kill 33 people that Lux couldn't stand. You follow that? That's terrible logic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking awful. Yeah, Lux could be a little too edgy for his own good sometimes. A little too much. He he did say, Lux did say that Gacy once sent him an uh, astrology chart that Gacy made up for Lux. Really? Yes. It was like, uh, like you know. He, so you're an Aries, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he's trying to explain, he's like, you know, a lot of astrology charts, they, you know, they say things like, you know, you're handsome, uh, you're smart, you have a bright future, all that stuff. But Gacy's chart said something like, you should kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like your time's at an end there, Lux. Make sure to send more pictures of you without a shirt. <laughs> Well, for Gacy's part, he, he never actually heard the cramps. No. Um. <laughs> He's like, I don't judge them by their music. They don't judge me. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. He's like, yeah, it's like, I wouldn't pass judgment if I did hear him. Because uh, he said, y'all, Gay, that statement, it said that kind of music, that's his statement too. Or something like that. I don't know. Gacy was not the most articulate of writers. His fucking writing doesn't make any sense. Thing was, though, Gacy actually managed to offend Lux. Not the other way around, because Gacy included some of the letters that Lux had written in a book that Gacy was supposedly going to release. According to Lux, he was disappointed because he, quote, thought we had kind of a sacred thing going. (laughs) Yeah, the book is called, they call him Mr. Gacy. (laughs) They call him Mr. Gacy. Oh, God. I found one review of the book. Really? Just one. Oh, shit. online. I didn't know it was actually out. Well, it uh, apparently, according to Amazon, it's like $500. Yeah, okay. So there's like a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the review says, creepy. That's about all I could say. Reading a book by John Wayne Gacy was very disturbing and not something I ever want to do again. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no one. Yeah, I've never read Pee Wee yeah. Gaskin's The Final Truth again. Like, oh, yeah, like you I can read that. Yeah, I don't want to re- read Ian Brady's book again. <laughs> Fuck, no. Once is enough <laughs> when it comes enough? to these fucking people. <laughs> but, you know, John Wayne Gacy, he actually did one of his infamous paintings using Lux as a model. And the finished product is, I don't know, it's all fucked up. It's a painting of a shirtless Lux interior by John Wayne Gacy. What do you expect it to be? Did you see his face, though? The face yeah. of the portrait? <laughs> it, it looks like a, a portrait of like a displeased middle-aged woman who was just told that she has to teach evolution in class. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. It's fucking spot on. <laughs> but perhaps because of the cramps involvement with Return of the Living Dead, or perhaps because Lux and Ivy were fast becoming two walking, talking, sexploitation characters, Hollywood briefly came calling. Oh, yeah. Well, not even briefly. Actually, they got offers randomly. Yeah? Yeah. Like, uh, they were approached to, to be in uh, Blood Feast 2. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the sequel to Blood Feast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw it the other day. It's great. Yeah? Oh, it's very bloody. <laughs> This is why I don't review movies anymore. So, yeah, there was, like, the working title of the sequel. is like, Blood Feast 2, Buffet of Blood. That's great. 
brilliant. And they actually became friends with the guy who was trying to get it made with Herschel Gordon Lewis directing and everything. And so they got to see several scripts of it and they were interested, but the movie just, it, it didn't pan out. It didn't, it didn't get made until 2002. So it came out without them, unfortunately. Yeah. And then they were also, uh, I think there was talks about doing a movie starring Jim Carrey. <laughs> As Lux? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, Jim Carrey, I think his first movie role was in uh, The Deadpool. Uh, it was a Dirty Harry movie where he played a rock star who gets murdered in his trailer on the set of a, on the set of a music video shoot. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was terrible in it, uh, but <laughs> but it was. Uh, I think that was Jim Carrey's first movie. So yeah, that 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 reads that tracks. Yeah, but the funny thing is, they're like always like, well, we really like movies. We watch a lot of movies. Uh, you know, we we would love to make our own. I mean, it would probably suck, but we would like it anyway. Yeah. And then Lux actually said in an interview, he's like, I actually wrote a script. For a movie a long time ago. Yeah, it was going to be called Aloha from Hell, <laughs> which is actually the name of one of her songs. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, you want to hear the elevator pitch? Death, give it to me. Okay, it opens with Ivy dancing at a bar, and Lux and Nick are sitting there watching as the jukebox plays Do the Clamp, you know, a song by Elvis. Yeah, yeah. And it zooms in Written on- Written by Ed Wood's wife. Oh, there you go. Yeah, or Ed Wood's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, she wrote "Do the Clam," <laughs> and so the the song's playing, and Ivy's dancing on the bar, and it zooms in on Ivy, and and you know she's wiggling around and doing the watuzi and everything, <laughs> and Lux and Nick are sitting there at the table saying like, "Wow, Elvis could really sing." <laughs> and there's more. There's more. There's, there's more. more. There's more. And then suddenly a fight breaks out, and Lux and Nick get thrown out of the bar and fall on the hood of a car. The car owned by a gang of girls who challenged them to a chicken run. Okay, cool. But both their cars crash into a mountain and burst into flames. <laughs> so they end up in hell where they meet Elvis. <laughs> That's a fucking amazing idea for a movie. It's brilliant. Hell of a lot better than Veronica, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> we tried. We tried. We tried real fucking hard. But after all that fell through, you know, the cramps just didn't ever really get into like the movie movie business. The cramps finally got back to the business of recording music. Although the cramps had discovered by this point in their history that their long sought after fourth member to replace Kid Congo was unnecessary. Yeah, Ivy could just do it all herself. Everything. Know? Yeah, I mean, because Lux and Ivy, they're very nice people. But when it gets to their music, it's very serious. Yeah. So they're very picky. You know, and that's why they had a lot of trouble getting the right band members. So Ivy decided, you know what? I'll just do the bass parts for the next album. And she did. She actually even played real bass on one of the songs. She's like, I'll just, I'll just double up. It's fine. It's easier than finding someone else. Yeah, it really was. And... She was fucking right to do it. With Ivy at the helm, the Cramps released the crampiest of Cramps albums up to that point, including only two covers with nine originals on their 1986 classic, A Date with Elvis. Oh, <laughs> 
Voices on the introduction of that song, by the way, were credited as the McMartin Preschool Choir, which was <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun it's a bit of dark humor, yes. as they say. Uh, it's a reference to the McMartin Preschool trial. You know, it's, that was when a bunch of kids were convinced by investigators and social workers that their caretakers were ritually abusing them in tribute to the Dark Lord Satan. Uh, old grandma played the piano, all that type of shit, flushing them down toilets uh, to go off to some abusive netherworld. It was all bullshit. And unfortunately, quite a few people spent decades in prison because of it. But it's a bit of dark humor. Yeah. I mean, those kids really could sing. I mean, Satan must have been a great vocal coach. I'm just saying. But with this album, the cramps were leaning less on the work of others, at least musically. Instead of doing covers of songs they love, they were writing songs using titles of movies they loved, like the deliciously devilish Hot Pearl Snatch. The Cramps also proved they could write their own versions of love songs for each other. Like, you know, I know it doesn't sound like it, but I think What's Inside a Girl is a fucking love song. Like, it's yeah. it, to me, it's Lux's interior monologue when he's thinking about Poison Ivy. Oh. Yeah, but it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> but I think that's my interpretation of this song. This song's fucking great. I like it, too, actually. I think it's great. <laughs> well, while the originals were great, the covers were on point this time as well. One, in fact, a kind of sideways cover, was particularly clever. Or maybe not clever at all. 
depending on your point of view. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to argue with you about it. See, way back in the early days of rock, a lot of the artists were absolutely filthy human beings who sang about filthy shit. I mean, we all know at this point that Tutti Frutti is about anal sex, right? Yeah. Like, we, <laughs> we all know that. But hey, let, let's just get reminded one more time. The song's... Uh, it's a classic. Ah, oh, so good. Well, if you don't know this fact about one of the classics of American music, here are the original lyrics. Tutti Frutti, good booty. If it don't fit, don't force it. You can grease it, make it easy. Helpful. <laughs> Helpful tips right there. That little Richard, he's quite the sex ed teacher. He's like, what you do, you get a girl named Sue. And then you... I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Thank you, little Richard. Oh, no. well, yeah, I'm going to tell you about Lucille later. Well, I mean, the story was that little Richard was in the studio. He was trying, you know, he was a new artist. He was trying uh, to get his sound. He couldn't capture his sound. Like, the sound that he had live, he couldn't capture in the studio. So he went across the street to a bar. There was a bar over there. He sat down in front of the piano and started singing Tutti Fruity Good Booty and started singing this nasty fucking song. <laughs> and then he took that feeling then you know, that he got. He, he took that he took that kind of uh, that sexual nature, that sexual power, and he brought it in the studio and fucking recorded Tutti Fruity, which is a revolutionary song. Yeah. They, I heard they had to hire someone to change the lyrics for him. Because he's like, <laughs> it's perfect the way it is. <laughs> Now, Little Richard was by no means the only artist during this time to replace dirty-ass lyrics with something more palatable. But some hits barely hid their sexual nature. And I'd put Dee Dee Sharp's Gravy right at the top. Come on, baby. Try to tell me that song's not about cum. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Try to tell me it's not about coming on her tits. Try to tell me. Gravy on my mashed potatoes? Yeah! <laughs> Two lumpy mashed potatoes? Pour gravy on it? Yes, yeah, yeah. I see it all over Pornhub. It's gravy shots. Here, POV gravy. <laughs> Spitting out the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> Gravy swapping. <laughs> so working off this tradition, the Cramps took a classic stack single by Rufus Thomas called Can Your Monkey Do the Dog? And they lifted the veil completely, rewriting it as Can Your Pussy Do the Dog? That's more direct. Much more direct. Kitty, kitty. You better move along. Cause a big 
Yeah, it's kind of a combination between Can Your Monkey Do the Dog and another song called Can Your Hossie Do the Dog. All right, yeah. yeah. But I think that song is actually about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because actually that song was actually called Single of the Year by a, a Playboy music and sex issue. It was like the single of the year. Really? Yeah, 1985. Yeah, good for them. But songs like Hot Pearl Snatch, What's Inside a Girl, and Can Your Pussy Do the Dog, they often erroneously got the cramps labeled as sexist by people who just didn't fucking get it, which band leader Poison Ivy took as an insult, rightly so. Yeah, because, I mean, they were called violent, lewd, and sexist. And Lux would say, okay, violent and lewd, I'll go along with. <laughs> yeah, sure. But sure, sexist, yeah, that's kind of the point. <laughs> not sexist. Those people who, like, especially those, like, critics, they they would label them sexist. or It's almost like they refused to see the whole picture. Yeah. You know, like, they were probably just looking at the lyrics with no context and just assuming it's sexist. Like, with no sense of humor about it. Yeah. And that's the it's thing. It's tongue is in it, cheek. It's very tongue in cheek. And that's the thing, that's what uh, what Poison Ivy would say is that like those uh, reviews never mentioned my fucking guitar playing. And a lot of times the nicest thing they would say is that she played guitar like a man. She's like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? That's pretty sexist. That's very sexist. <laughs> yeah. And they don't even see like the person who plays guitar and bass worked on all of the, the albums, the licensing, doing all the business affairs and managing the band is all done by woman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 100%. She calling, like you said, she's the shot caller. Yeah. At, at every point, Poison Ivy was the shot caller, especially in the 80s. Yes. And then they got Jennifer Fur Dixon. Uh, they had her join their band soon after recording A Date with Elvis. And so, like, their band lineup was 50% women yeah. throughout the whole <laughs> 80s. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, those claims of sexism, they're flat out wrong. You know, and the cramps, they were proven bigger than ever because Date with Elvis ended up debuting at number one on the UK independent charts. Now, the music was, as you heard, it's fucking fantastic. But those sales were probably helped along by a Date with Elvis's now iconic album cover. It's the best album cover of the cramps career. It looks so cool. So cool. Yeah, Ivy, she's like, she looks all like like a pinup model with snakeskin kinky corset and black gloves and wearing a blonde wig and, and with devil horns on it and, and then this like little devil pitchfork. I mean, it's really, it's really cool, actually. And she's like kind of <laughs> almost like laughing maniacally or smirking or something. And, and then nearby there's like a, a Bible and and a peanut butter sandwich, half eaten. <laughs> yeah, she looks like she works at the brothel in Beetlejuice. Like she looks fucking great. She looks she, so cool. Yeah, because Ivy she decided to go for this like sexy burlesque look when she was like one day she was just like looking at old pinup magazines and telling Lux like you know I wish I was alive back then like I would have totally rocked these outfits and Lux is like well why not now. Yeah. Like, you know, just wear them now. You can wear anything you want. You could be anything you want to be. Yeah. So with a new look locked and loaded, the cramps went back on the road, and the band further solidified themselves as a live act that nobody wanted to miss when they came to town. Oh, yeah, especially the town was Europe <laughs> and Australia. <laughs> you see, the thing is, like, they went on a long-ass tour, 58 dates. Yes, and they killed it everywhere they went. You know, they're they're legendary in Europe. Like I checked out this like long like two hour uh, like radio show about the cramps from Slovenia. Wow, I know <laughs> it was very interesting. Yeah, I bet yeah, it was very helpful. And then there was a crazy time like in Germany, Lux was singing on stage and he jumped up in the air, and then he landed through the stage. And I mean like. 
through the stage, <laughs> the floorboards, everything. <laughs> and the funny thing is, he still had his mic in his hand. So with his other free hand, he would just tear all the pieces of floorboards apart, throwing them to the sides, and pulled his way up. And finished the song without missing a single word. Never stopped singing. <laughs> they never stopped and during that, the show. That was the second time <laughs> he fell through a stage. He did it five years before in England. <laughs> so Lux was just, he was ready for anything. Always. No, the whole band was. But as it went again and again with the cramps, the stress of being on tour, or I don't know, perhaps the stress of being around Lux and Ivy all the time, it kind of wore down Jennifer for Dixon, and she ended up quitting in the middle of their 1986 tour. This happened a lot with the cramps. Yeah, well, I mean, they did have to cancel their Australian part of the tour uh, because Jennifer Dixon like didn't want to continue with the cramps. But she said it was actually meant to be temporary, but uh, maybe she just left a little early. Yeah. That was the thing. But pretty soon, they ran into a woman named Connie Del Mar. Right outside a liquor store. Nice. Yeah, because Lux and Ivy, they were in their car trying to find a parking spot to go to the liquor store. <laughs> and they they were about to go into one, but then they started fighting with another car who was trying to get the same parking spot. And that other person was Candy Del Mar. <laughs> or Connie. She became Candy Del Mar. Yeah. As soon as she's like, you could take the parking spot. I just recognized you guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're the cramps. This is cool. And they heard of her before from like mutual friends. So they figured, let's just get her to join. She's really young. But you know what? That's perfect. It would be super cool. So Candy Del Mar played with them for, for a little bit. Man, the the way that cramps band members meet, like it sounds like the type of shit that PR agents make up for bios. Like It's like the throwaway lines like, they're running into Candy Del Mar at a liquor store fighting over a parking spot. Like, yeah. It sounds fake, but now it's how it fucking happened with the cramps. They ran into Iggy Pop at a liquor store. <laughs> he was getting Budweiser. And, and I think uh, Lux was getting wine. Yeah. And he's like, do you want to play a song? Uh, do you want to sing a song, you know, on our record? And he did. Yeah, he did. So. Yeah, that was in one of their, that was like in 91, I think. Hang outside of liquor stores. <laughs> yeah, you'll find all the good people in the world outside of liquor stores. <laughs> so with Candy in the band, the Cramps decided to record another live album. Included in the crop of covers for Rockin' and Reelin' in Auckland, New Zealand, was an original take on Elvis's Heartbreak Hotel which took one of the most played out songs in history and once again made it fresh. It is. It is an original. It's you know that song. It's like no one needs to hear "Heartbreak Hotel" by Elvis ever again. 
Uh, not really. At I least like it. I like it too, but I could go another 20 years without hearing the Heartbreak Hotel again. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I think Elvis is very good. I know. I, <laughs> you're a much bigger Elvis fan than I am, but all, you also didn't grow up in the United States. Like, when you grow up in the United States, like, Elvis is, at least when, you know, at the time that I grew up, like, Elvis is everywhere, as the man said. You know, as Mojo Nixon said, Elvis is everywhere. You know, and you hear Elvis constantly. And by the time you're 10, you never want to hear Elvis ever again. <laughs> like, it's like you're done with, you're done with Elvis. At least, you know, growing up in Texas in the 80s. Like, it was a big deal. Elvis is a big deal in my household. No, I guess you're right. I mean, I can never listen to Julio Iglesias again. <laughs> See, and I'm fine with Julio Iglesias. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, the Cramps, they decided to take a, a little bit of a break before they record their next studio album. And maybe that might be why the rumor that Lux died started. <laughs> because he wasn't around. He was just keeping a low profile at home for a little bit. Because Joey Ramone was doing a radio interview in L.A. when he said, yeah, I heard that Lux died. It's, it's a shame. He died from a heroin overdose, I heard. <laughs> well, he was joking. But it's Joey Ramone joking, and like, because Joey Ramone doesn't change facial expressions when he talks. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I heard he died." Like, and inside he's laughing, and inside, <laughs> actually, Joey wasn't joking. <laughs> really? Yes. So, okay, so it's like insane. Like, news started going out yeah. that Lux is dead, and people are leaving reefs at the door, <laughs> and he's just like showing him away with his newspaper. Get. Get out of here. <laughs> Still alive. Even Gacy, it, it reached Gacy. Yeah. It was like, Gacy was like, oh, God, he died. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Just like you thought, like, Joey was pray, playing a prank because he kind of does that. Mm -hmm. uh, no, Joey really believed it. And he's just like, oh, no. <laughs> I've been going around for a while telling people that in interviews in different countries. <laughs> I think I need to make a few calls. <laughs> and Rodney Bingenheimer. Yeah. Well, I know, remember, we talked about him in the Stooges series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rodney's English, Rodney Bingenheimer's English disco. disco. Yeah, yeah. K-Rock DJ, yeah. Yeah, he even dedicated a whole radio show to Lux as a tribute. <laughs> so Lux had to call up Rodney and tell him he wasn't dead. <laughs> and Rodney thought that was a prank. So Lux had to prove it was actually him. It's like more work. <laughs> well, fortunately, Lux was not dead. Uh, but it was around that time. I mean, Rodney, Lux was calling into Rodney because they, him and Ivy had just moved to L.A. They'd moved to Glendale, right next to Forest Lawn Cemetery, uh, where they described smelling the odor of cremating bodies wafting from the crematorium a couple nights every week. Over a steaming cup of cocoa. <laughs> See, what the cramps had actually been doing in the meantime was recording their next album, their last recorded in the 80s, and quite possibly the most fun, manic album the Cramps ever put out. Taking the title of the album from one of Goulardi's catchphrases, the Cramps ended the 80s right with Stay Sick.
song got me into the cramps. Yeah, it's, it's catchy as hell. God, it's so catchy. It's the catchiest song they ever wrote. Yeah. And, and that bass line is so fucking good, too. It's like, boom, ding, dong, 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 ding, ding, ding. It's just fucking, it's fucking awesome. It is so, it is so good. <laughs> it is. And then they made a MTV video about it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 this was when MTV was starting at, you know, 120 minutes was going, and the cramps seemed to be perfect for this. Yeah, so they, they filmed the video. They gave it to MTV. MTV's like, no. <laughs> this a lot needs to be cut out. We can't play this, yeah. It's, it's so ridiculous. Like, they had to cut out, like, when Ivy is shooting a machine gun, her bikini bottoms fall down to her ankles. That was censored. Yeah. It's like, all right, so the the shooting, the, the machine gun, <laughs> that's okay. Totally fine. <laughs> I mean, that video now, it's mostly, it's Ivy dancing around a bunch. Yeah. Which is great. I think that's great because, like, she's, like, in this sexy burlesque outfit, and she's, like, dancing around with Tuzi style and everything, and it's like, oh, finally, because she's always playing, you finally get to see her move. Yeah. Which is so cool. And it was it was featured on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think they compared... In How the do you think I heard it? <laughs> in the beginning, it made me laugh so hard because they compared Lux to Sam Malone. <laughs> Ted dancing from Cheers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course they loved Ivy. They loved Ivy. Like Beavis was like, <sighs> Are you gonna do a Beavis right now? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this video <laughs> has bikini girls <laughs> and machine guns. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what do you think? I think it's great. Welcome to 1994. Welcome to me being 13. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to hanging out with me and my cousin James. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's it's a great video. It's a great even the edited version is is fine. I mean, like, cause cause Lux and Ivy both said like, well, it, it doesn't matter. I, I kind of like that there is an uncensored version. Yeah. Bikini Girls with Machine Guns. I mean, it's pretty much every Russ Meyer movie rolled into a single song. Uh, there's not enough lesbianism, <laughs> and if not enough uh, Hitler taking it. Up the ass by a, a bondage sex worker. So no, not, a, <laughs> not every, not every, not every single one. Okay, I'll walk it back. I I bow to the master here. <laughs> I'm Roman Mars, host of Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special Ninety Nine PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me, and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit lexus.com/gx and SiriusXM.com/lexustrial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the Ninety Nine Percent Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah! Is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo. Well, the cramps delve further into the world of sexploitation on Stay Sick by taking a title from a 1969 movie called All Women Are Bad. Yeah, I just found out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear the trailer. This is I fucking love this trailer. All women are bad. And here's the picture that proves it. Any place that has people has women. Vicious. Rotten. Scheming. An ivy. Every place in the world. Only in the wilderness alone can man truly be free of their evil ways. This is the picture that shows them as they really are. Stripped bare of all pretenses. And everything else, too. 
<laughs> it took a weird turn with only wilderness as the place where women aren't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I gotta watch myself some black dynamite after that. <laughs> yeah, here it is. All women are bad. Adam and Eve sitting in the wood. Eve said, man, I got something real good. It's in that tree. You get smart fast. Adam said, sure, save my ass. I don't see no snakes, but all women are bad. be a great stripper song yeah yeah every cramp song would be a great stripper song yeah but this one would be perfect <laughs> yeah re- see my name in the lights <laughs> what would your stripper name be ah i don't know i i i haven't thought of it that much <laughs> the only Has name it been that- a career choice that was possible for you <laughs> the in only the future? name that's come to mind is gloria <laughs> which is my mother's name <laughs> So, oh, sorry, mom. <laughs> I mean, with the cramps, like, I, I mean, I, I get like all women are bad. You know, people ain't no good. Like, it's that negativity's fun sometimes. It's just fun. You know, it's just fucking fun. You know, we can't listen to the fucking flaming lips all the time. <laughs> like, we can't listen to the polyphonic spree every day of our fucking lives. Sometimes you need negative shit. Sometimes it, you're in a bad mood and you need songs like this. It makes you feel better. You see, to me, this doesn't feel negative at all. It's coming from a good place. Yeah. So it feels like a f- like fun antagonism. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure it was Ivy saying like, "All women are bad. Fuck you. I'm bad." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Real bad. <laughs> I'm real bad. You don't want to get mixed up with me, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> now, although the cramps had sort of floated more towards the world of garage rock, starting with psychedelic jungle, Stay Sick returned to their rockabilly roots, especially in the original song. Daisies up your butterfly. That's a sex toy. <laughs> That's gotta be a sex toy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> so after releasing Bikini Girls, Machine Guns, and All Women Are Bad as singles, the Cramps decided to fuck with MTV by releasing an uneditable video for Creature from the Black Lagoon, 
which I highly recommend everyone look up on YouTube because it sort of condenses the cramps in the 80s to three and a half minutes. It's <laughs> yes. fucking, it's brilliant. You better ask my mama how to make a monster. I'm the creature from a black leather lagoon. And I'm a beautiful monster from outer space too. The, the song is like it's not the best cramp song but after watching the video you re- it's like that old fucking Chris Rock joke you know it's like you might not like a song and then once you watch the video like that's the best fucking song I ever heard that's how Creature from the Black Leather Lagoon is yes I mean it's it's perfect it, it tells a story <laughs> it does it starts with a pair of forceps pulling out a bloody head from between some monster's legs and that's Lux yeah and he starts singing <laughs> and then and then this mon- the Lux monster you know he he all of a sudden like is wearing like a vinyl leather suit with matching black you know speedo underwear and heels like oh it's a great outfit so cool it's very uh graphic yes <laughs> and, and, and ivy dancing over his head while he's laying down and like she's got her legs between his head and then shimming down to where his tongue is sticking out oh <laughs> and then she's also holding an axe yeah <laughs> and then she gets humped by lux who is now a full-blown reptilian green monster <laughs> he's the creature from the black lagoon yes. he's wearing he's still wearing like leather <laughs> he's still wearing all the vinyl you know he's still wearing the same except now he's got the creature from the Black Lagoon mask on and he's he's humping his wife. Yes. <laughs> and it got played on MTV. After Midnight. After Midnight. After, after Midnight. <laughs> it's a dirty fucking video. Yes. It's, it's great. I mean, and the, of course, like they knew that it wasn't going to get played in regular hours. They knew that. Like they were like, if you're, okay, if, you're, if this is the way it's going to go, if this is how it's going to be, hears us doing whatever the fuck we want. It makes perfect sense. It's just like late night horror hosting. Yeah. Same idea. It's like, no, put us for late night. Yeah, put us after midnight. That's when our audience is watching anyway. But after tours in Europe and the U.S., plus a string of festival shows to support Stay Sick, Nick Knox had to quit the band after 13 years, less one eye, because his health had gotten so fucking bad. Yeah, Ivy said that the tour was just killing him and that he just needed to rest and get sober. So they technically fired him, but it was just fr- it, it came from, you know, a, a place from their heart. They were just like, please go just take care of their, your, yourself. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, he actually did. Yeah, he survived for a relatively long period of time. Yeah. It was also around this time that Candy Del Mar quit. And from there, the Cramps released a string of albums that were fine, but more or less just a continuation of the style established on a date with Elvis and Stay Sick. Well, that's what you say. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, yes, we can't go into into every single album that they've ever made, unfortunately. I mean, there's a, you know, well, Flame Job, we could could leave that out anyways. Yeah. Or uh, uh, Fiends of Dope Island. Like, I love that album. But we we, we just, we got to keep it, we got to centralize everything on this show. Yeah, we we can't go through every single album there is. Yeah, because they released, what, five albums after Stay Sick? 
four, four or five, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but they're they're and they're fine. But you know, it's it's a continuation. Yes, you know, like because after Stay Sick, the cramps sort of they sort of settled into put out an album tour, put out an album tour, but. Actually, they did do some other shit. Like, during the 90s, about the most interesting thing that happened to the Cramps was their bizarre cameo on Beverly Hills 90210. That's the most interesting thing? <laughs> well, there was also <laughs> the time that a grave digger in the UK brought them an actual human skull that he dug up himself. Now, that's interesting. Well, that uh, that's what the UK... That's, someone did that with me in the UK. Well, it wasn't an actual skull. It was parts of a human skull. And they said that they just dug them up out of the ground. And fucking England is full of corpses because of the plague years. <laughs> I still have that skull. Thank you very much for bringing it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they were on Beverly Hills 90210. It's very strange. Yeah, uh, well, Jason uh, Jason Priestley's girlfriend at the time, because Jason Bre- Priestley was like the star of the show. I mean, I watched a little bit of it when I was younger. I don't really remember very much. My brothers loved it. They called it Digits. They watched it every week. Uh, yeah, I... I... <laughs> <laughs> So, Jason. You know my brothers, and you know how strange that is. But yeah, they fucking love Beverly Hills 90210. Jason Priestley's girlfriend wrote the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because she she wrote like this Halloween themed episode, and she was also a big fan of the Cramps. So she got them to play two songs on the episode, like at at one of those party shows thing. Uh, I think they played uh, Mean Machine and Strange Love. And so this is, I mean, it's actually kind of cool. Like, I I just saw a clip of it. It's kind of cool, and and the funny thing is, after they did that show, their neighbors started coming around to Lux and Ivy's house and being like, "Hey, uh, can we hang out with you? You, you're the cool guy <laughs> from that Digits TV show." <laughs> and can I introduce you to my friends? Like, these are all high school kids who are super. Finally impressed with Lux and Ivy. <laughs> it's weird how many of those bands did sitcom cameos. They're not in the 90s. Like, I think the Flaming Lips were also on 90210. Uh, Sonic Youth was in the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Yeah. It happened a strange amount. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, it was during the 90s that the Cramps began to find themselves being known as the pop culture figures they'd always wanted to be. They were a, now a part of it. And Lux participated in one blockbuster movie and almost got cast in another. Oh, yeah. Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he participated in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Well, we think that's him. You see, he was asked to do it because Sofia Coppola was a, a big fan of the cramps. And she told her dad, Francis Ford Coppola, that Lux should do like the screaming and the sobbing in the movie. You know, uh, Dracula's screaming and stuff and everything at, like that. At the very beginning of the movie, after, you know, Dracula's love dies and he decides to become Dracula and turn his back against God and all that. And he screams that supposedly Lux screaming. Yeah, Lux said that he went to Coppola's house and they recorded a bunch of takes for a few hours, but we have no idea if it's his voice in the movie. I really got it. I hope so. I mean, I, I looked it up and it said that this scream right here is that it's the one that uh, features Lux. Ooh, Let's hear it. Okay. Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's good. <laughs> that movie's yeah. great. Uh, it's really fun. Yeah, we just watched it, well, like a couple of months ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's worth watching again. It's really fun. It's too long, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I've seen that movie dozens of times. Yeah, it's I'll great. never get tired of it. <laughs> and he was also asked to be in The Crow. He was asked to be The Crow. Well, no, he was asked to be the main villain in The Crow. Oh. Top dollar. 
Oh, I, think. I feel like a big fucking worm on a little fuck. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. He said that he was asked to be the main villain in The Crow. Oh, he would have been great. And Lux said he refused because it's a stupid movie, stupid dialogue, <laughs> stupid plot. Lux is wrong. I don't know. Lux I'm- is incredibly wrong. <laughs> I, I, I admire Lux, but he is wrong. That it, movie is one of my favorite movies, and you know that. I know that. I know that. You know, and I love that movie too. It's it's a lot of fun. It's you know, it's definitely '90s fun there. But <laughs> yeah. if, but if Lux was given, have you ever read the comic book that it's based on? No. It's very dour. It's very, very dour. It's very goth. It's extremely goth. But it's like Robert Smith goth. Like it's Neil Gaiman goth. It's not. I, it's not Lux interior goth, you know, it, and yeah. I could see if he was sent James O'Barr's comic and he read that, I could see Lux going like, fuck no. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course I'm not going to be in this fucking whiny ass movie. <laughs> well, not whiny. I mean, it's not whiny because of James, it's, what happened yeah. to James O'Barr. I mean, it's, it was a fucking tragedy what happened to him. But oh, to Brandon Lee? No, to James O'Barr, the guy that uh, the guy that wrote The Crow did so because that happened to his girlfriend it happened to his fiance oh. that actually happened to him i didn't know that <laughs> yeah and then brandon lee died yeah during filming the movie yeah some say the crow is a cursed production because of that some say <laughs> i think i'm one of those people i didn't know that yeah yeah you should re- I, I think i've got it around here somewhere you, you should read it but i it's- don't know i think it i heard it's too down <laughs> Well, you know, even though Lux, he, he turned down the role of the crow, he was still asked a few years later to sing in a cartoon. And this is probably where listeners younger than us were introduced to the world of the cramps. We're, uh, we just barely missed this cartoon being big for us. We missed it by about five. Yeah, I watched it. Watched it a little bit, but, you know, it, we, we missed it meaning a lot to us. In 2002, Lux Interior appeared on an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants as the lead singer of a band called The Bird Brains. <laughs> Come with me to the land I love It's not right here down the street or up above It's down below in the deep blue sea Where Spongebob lives and the fun is always free Down, down, down to the bottom of the sea Where our salty friend Spongebob waits for you and me We'll have lots of fun You and me forever In the underwater sun <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's very fun. I mean, I, I I grew up on Rin and Stimpy, so you know, SpongeBob was a little after my time. But I could see why it's I could see why people really love it. I really like the show. Yeah, <laughs> I do. And the funny thing is, Lux and Ivy's neighbor uh, in Glendale did the background art for SpongeBob SquarePants. No shit. So the guy stopped by <laughs> Lux's house, just <laughs> rang the doorbell, and said, "I told my boss you guys are my neighbors, and he wants to know if you would do a song for the show." And, like, Lux is like, what show? Uh, it's a show about a sea sponge who lives in a pineapple with his pet snail and uh, <laughs> underwater and bikini bottom. Bikinis, huh? <laughs> huh? You know, SpongeBob is a fine show. It's I, a fine show. Yeah, it makes me laugh. I, I, I enjoy it. It's been a while, but I enjoy it. But he turned down the crow. <laughs> <laughs> But that's fine. And his character, you know, is the lead singer of the Bad Brains. Uh, he is bird a pe- brains, bird brains, not bad brains. <laughs> Shit, right? A bird it, brains. It's probably a, it, it might be a reference to bad brains, but yeah, yeah it's it bird is. brains, not bad brains. <laughs> bird brains. <laughs> and 
he plays like a parrot, like a puppet parrot, of yeah. course. Uh, he and he performs the song "Underwater Sun" uh, at Patchy the Pirate's house in Encino. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got all the SpongeBob lore correct. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> oh yeah. Here before that though, and it, it's 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 this time in the series that we always get to when we talk about these old punkers. The first cramp succumbed to death. In January 2001, Brian Gregory, who helped establish the sound of the cramps, died from the most aging rock musician disease I've ever heard of: multiple systems failure. Ugh. That sounds awful. It sounds like a fucking awful way to go. Yeah. I mean, it just means his body just gave out. Just everything yeah. stopped working. Same thing. He wasn't thing. even that old. Yeah, it happened to Nick Knox. He he passed away in 2018. It was his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for their part, the Cramps, they kept playing live shows, and they released one more album in 2003, and Lux and Ivy put just as much energy into their live performances at the age of fucking 60 as they did when they were kids. They never stopped touring, really. But in 2009, after a couple of years of absolute quiet from the band, the news came that Lux Interior had passed away very suddenly at the age of 62. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he really died. Yeah. You know, it's just really sad. He died on February 4th, 2009 due to an existing heart condition that he was diagnosed with uh, before. And it just it just gave out. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Yeah. It's just sad. It's really, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just insanely we sad. We spent so much time with them. <laughs> we really did. It's I don't I don't like that Lux Interior ain't, ain't ain't on Earth anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like David Bowie. It's like you just you know that you know the world is you know a poorer place for not having David Bowie in it, and the world's a poorer place for not having Lux Interior in it. As far as Poison Ivy goes, I mean, no one's really heard from her uh, in the eleven years since Lux died, and nobody can really blame her. Yeah, I mean, she's got her family, she's got her friends. You know, she's. She just wants to keep close with them, and that's it. Yeah, Lux and Ivy, they were two mangled puzzle pieces that couldn't have fit with anyone else, and the world is better for them finding each other. As we said in the beginning, without their influence, all the great music we've been talking about over the last three episodes, it might have been forgotten, or at the very least, it would have stayed hidden far longer. Really, at the end of it all, all this came about because two record nerds decided that if nobody was going to make new music they liked, they'd just make it themselves. And there ain't nothing more punk than that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's a good lo- Lux and Ivy is a good love story, you know? Yeah. And, it, and there's a ton- so much great music to go along with it. I know. It just it seems so unfair. It is unfair. That's <laughs> how it happens. One of us will die first. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was a close one. <laughs> yeah, I mean the cribs, I mean, this is it's been a it's been a crazy ride. It's a <laughs> <laughs> they from the beginning to the end, like because you know, we, we we've talked about this before. We we we've listened to them over the years and stuff, but never really looking more further deeper into them and just wow. Yeah, it's, seeing the whole story just laid out is fucking. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a great fucking story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week with a mini episode uh, on uh, on Surfing Bird. Yeah, we're trying to take a break between series because apparently, if we don't, like, we go crazy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We, need we a lose break. our fucking minds. Gotta, I can't read three books in a week. You really can't. No. Sometimes and, I do, and it. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very, very hard. It's very difficult. No, we we have to, this is a very, it, it's a it's a research intensive show, uh, especially with the research that, that Carolina does. Uh, so yeah, we, we need some breaks every once in a while, but you know, we're going to try as hard as we can to still put a little bit of content out uh, for everybody. Um, just, you know. Yeah. Just to keep everything going. Uh, 
when we come back with our next series, uh, we're going to be coming back to America. We're going to be going to San Francisco. It's time for the Dead Kennedy. Oh, yes. Yes. Finally, I've been waiting for, for a year. I've been waiting for a year. This is the whole reason why you agreed to do this series is because we were going to do Dead Kennedys eventually. I know. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> but, yes. No, thank you so much. And, uh, you, you know, uh, you can listen to uh, the playlist that uh, Marcus curated himself on Spotify. You just got to search uh, Marcus Parks. Or just search No Dogs in Space. You know, you search No Dogs in Space and all the playlists come up. You know, they're a playlist uh, for featuring uh, every song that we play uh, on every episode, at least the ones that are on Spotify. Sometimes they're not, but every episode, that's, every show, every song that's on Spotify is available uh, on the playlist. And if you want your own No Dogs in Space t-shirt, don't forget to go to uh, last podcastmerch.com uh, and there's that t-shirt and a whole bunch of others for all you fans of the network yeah. uh, and our band this week oh yeah before that if you're a band or a singer or a or just a musician or whatever you make noise and you recorded it <laughs> yeah. you could always feel free to send it to us or any comments or wh- whatever you want to say to us at nodogsinspace at gmail.com that's right and then we'll play it we will. Our band this week out of St. Louis, Shitstorm. Nice. <laughs> they're punk. I mean, it's a punk band. <laughs> you know, they're fucking, they're great punk. They say uh, on their band camp page, voted most likely to smash a liquor bottle in your local cemetery, 1969. That's oddly specific. It's very specific. <laughs> but, and it that, tells, but it sounds, that, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially when you hear the music. Uh, if you want to support this band, uh, go to shitstormstl.bandcamp.com. Dot com. Uh, go buy their album. Go give them some money. Right now, uh, all of the bands uh, that are not able to tour, Bandcamp is one of their only sources of income. So if you want to support uh, local bands, if you want to support bands that aren't signed yet and don't have cash coming in, uh, go to their Bandcamp site and buy their music, please. Uh, but, you know, see if uh, you want to give some money to a Shitstorm. I do. They're great. <laughs> They're fucking great. The song is I Need Pills. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Goodbye.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel. Travel. 